ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Boxing Source Radio Show, the September 5th, 2022 edition of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. Of course, you can follow us through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have, you know, Facebook pages. We have the Instagram account, we have the Twitter account, of course, we got the thing that's usually live on YouTube through the Boxing Source YouTube channel, and, uh, you know, we will also have this particular podcast available on whatever your favorite podcast app is, uh, so just be sure to uh, check that out, okay? Now, um, we got a few things that we're going to be uh, going through uh, here in this uh, particular um, episode, of course, uh, we're going to be, you know, kind of like covering what happened yesterday, um, particularly with the main event. Um, you had the main event uh, over in, you know, Los Angeles, whatnot, as uh, you had Andy Ruiz Jr., and Luis Ortiz uh, facing each other in heavyweight division. And uh, this was a fight that, you know, I, I think that was about a year or so in the making. Um, you know, Andy Ruiz Jr., uh, of course, former unified heavyweight champion, uh, defeated Anthony Joshua in June 1st, 2019, and had a rematch uh, over in December 2019 with Anthony Joshua. Lost, uh, you know, that particular bout to lose those titles. Uh, you know, tried to get himself back in the gear. Um, you know, had a fight against uh, Chris Ariola, uh, where you know he kind of like changed trainers. He, of course, he was with one trainer uh, there, Manny Robles. Uh, that's who you know brought him up uh, in the ranks. That's who had him contending for at the time a vacant WBO heavyweight title. Um, you know, a few years back against Joseph Parker and lost a close decision there, uh, but then uh, still was with Andy Ruiz uh, when Andy Ruiz won the unified titles against Anthony Joshua. Then after Ruiz lost to Anthony Joshua, Ruiz kind of dropped Manny Robles and took on, uh, you know, the, or hired the services of Eddie Reynoso, uh, you know, had uh, Eddie Reynoso with him. And he fought Chris Ariola. One about got dropped, but one about. Um, and now he's not with uh, Eddie Reynoso anymore. So uh, he had three different trainers here, pretty much like three fights. Because uh, after, you know, the Chris Ariola fight, 
Uh, you had uh, the instance where he um, had like an injury of sorts. And so uh, he had been, you know, on the shelf for a good little bit, you know. Uh, so this fight that he's that he had uh, there against Luis Ortiz was, you know, pretty much his first fight in a while. They were supposed to fight last year to meet, you know, after fighting after him fighting Chris Ariola. Uh, they were supposed to fight in 2021, uh, but, um, you know, Andy Ruiz was injured, so he had to pretty much wait on this particular fight. Uh, flip side, you had Luis Ortiz, of course, who was a two-time WBC heavyweight world title contender going up against Deontay Wilder twice, being stopped by Deontay Wilder twice. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of like been up there back and forth within the uh, top 10 or so in the heavyweight division. His last fight was against Charles Martin January 1st of this year, where, as I say, that he knocked the sonic rings out of Charles Martin in that particular fight. Um, and, and pretty much had Charles Martin discombobulated uh, in order to score a stoppage win over Charles Martin. So this particular bout was trying to see if, uh, you know, who would kind of like stay up there within the top five or six in the heavyweight division and to see if they would kind of like be within a world title shot sometime soon. Um, so you had like a few things that were going on or at stake in this particular bout between Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. And, you know, the first couple, you know, first round or so, kind of like seeing these guys kind of like feel themselves out. Um, but, you know, the thing with, uh, with, um, Andy Ruiz Jr., he, of course, he had the faster hands. Uh, he looked to be the more patient fighter in, in, in certain spurts uh, when it came to offense. Um, and then, you know, he, he basically had the huge advantage, of course, in the second round where he was able to score the first knockdown in close quarters with the you know, right hand over, you know, pretty much on the backside of Luis Ortiz. Uh, dropping Luis Ortiz down pretty much, uh, you know, in a slump. And Luis Ortiz was able to get up, but, you know, his legs weren't completely under him. So Andy Ruiz Jr. was able to score a second knockdown in the second round, uh, you know, due to, you know, Luis Ortiz not being fully uh, recovered from the first knockdown. So you had a 10-7 round there for Andy Ruiz Jr. And that had him with a big advantage. But – I mean, to me, over the course of those next few rounds, you kind of like seeing a couple of instances where Luis Ortiz wouldn't allow Andy Ruiz to completely get the momentum back. And you're actually seeing it within that second round, too, as Luis Ortiz was able to catch Andy Ruiz square, you know, with the left hand. And I think that was kind of like a, a message of sorts because you really didn't see – Andy Ruiz Jr. go for the gusto or whatever it is, you know, after, you know, those two knockdowns were scored. Those next few rounds, you kind of like seeing him feeling out, uh, you know, Luis Ortiz a little bit, you know, not really getting himself in a gear, you know, uh, to try to take the momentum uh, from Luis Ortiz. And, you know, with that being said, all you saw was like Luis Ortiz kind of like throw the right jab, throw the right jab, throw the right jab, kind of throw in a left hand uh, in, in a couple of occasions. Uh, but, you know, with uh, Andrew Ruiz, 
he was in there throwing combinations, but it's not like, you know, he has like a constant jab or something where he responds to the right jab of Luis Ortiz with the left jab, you know, or or some type of a counter, you know. Uh, so uh, for me, the majority of that bout, you really didn't, um, I'm going to be honest, you really didn't see uh, pressing action for the majority of that fight because, like I said, after the two knockdowns that were scored by Andrew Ruiz Jr., he really didn't carry over that momentum uh, to those next few rounds. And so, yeah, it kind of like did look like Luis Ortiz was kind of like controlling the pace of the bout. You know, it's not like, you know, Andrew Ruiz is, yeah, you know, he has a fast hands so or tries to, you know, see if he can get inside and has fast hands. But he is only like, it seems like he's only active when he's, definitely in range of his opponent like he doesn't really try to get himself into the inside with a jab so he ended up like having periods of inactivity over the course of these rounds and you know for me i thought it just gave the opportunity for luis ortiz to start getting rounds here and here and there and he did you know at least to me did but in the seventh round Andrews Jr. was able to score another knockdown. Um, it was more of like him, you know, scoring some big shots. So he was able to do that once again on Luis Ortiz and have Luis Ortiz down on the canvas once again. But, you know, it wasn't like Luis Ortiz was in serious trouble. It was just like a quick impact punch that just knocked the equilibrium off from Luis Ortiz and put him down to the canvas once again. So it wasn't like something where it's like, bam, and then he goes flat to the canvas or something like that. No, it was just something that just, you know, took down the equilibrium of Luis Ortiz and had him down to the canvas. It was pretty much like similar to uh, what happened, you know, with uh, Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin. And once again, you kind of didn't see Andrew Ruiz Jr. completely take over the momentum from that knockdown. So it kind of like kept uh, Luis Ortiz in the fight. And so, you know, with that being said, it just, you know, kind of like had that same type of flow over the course of 12 rounds. So he did actually go the full 12 rounds. And, you know, for me, I was like, yeah, um, before the sc scorecards were read, I kind of felt like Andy Ruiz Jr. won the fight. But when the scorecards were read, the first uh, scorecard that was read was 113-112. You know, said unanimous decision. 113-112. And two scores of 114-111. So it was a unanimous decision for Andy Ruiz Jr., and I'm like, okay, yeah, Andrew Ruiz Jr., you know, won the fight. But with those scorecards, you had the three knockdowns. So wait a minute. I'm like, hold up. You had a 113-112, and you had two scores of 114-111. Three knockdowns means three points. So if you didn't have any knockdowns, and you still had those scores kind of consistent on the 10-9, then the fight 
would have been a majority draw. So that meant that on two scorecards, both fighters won six rounds. And on one scorecard, Ortiz won seven rounds. So I'm like, wow. So they felt like that fight was close enough to where the knockdowns made the difference in the fight. And I was like, wow. So that that to me, you know, kind of like says, hey, um, yo, this particular bout, mm, I don't know, you know. Uh, the, I mean, this is supposed to be, um, you know, something to the to the, I would say, to the extent of um, where you kind of like say, hey, um, like, what do we have in far, as far as like who who's in there in the uh, heavyweight division? And these two guys are supposed, you know, are pretty much like highly ranked in the heavyweight division or highly ranked in. The sanctioning bodies like the WBC or the WBO. Uh, but what does this mean for, you know, I'd say the heavyweight division when you have uh, something like this happen as a result? And it's basically very close, you know, outside of the knockdowns. Uh, I mean, for me, you know, it, it kind of like goes into, you know, the whole uh, joint when it says like, um where where's to the point you know that i thought you would have had something where andy ruiz would have been impressive enough to kind of like overwhelm luis ortiz you know that, that it would look like luis ortiz would you know kind of like be yeah he he was a top contender you know we had you know those battles with deontay wilder but at this point, it's, you know, pretty much like it for him. But you really didn't see that. You really didn't see that coming from Andy Ruiz Jr. You didn't see him like say, oh, he'll overwhelm Luis Ortiz and just blow out Luis Ortiz in order to get a win, get a stoppage win, kind of like establish himself as a contender once again in the heavyweight division. What he basically did over the course of those 12 rounds was just like have Luis Ortiz be competitive in a sort in a sense that hey like I said it almost became a majority draw due to those scorecards and you talk about a guy that is a former unified heavyweight champion uh but has you know in a sense kind of like dwindled down a little bit when it comes to his overall um performance since the rematch against Anthony Joshua, you know, in Saudi Arabia, you know, um, he had that lackluster performance in the rematch against Anthony Joshua. He had his uh, performance against Chris Ariola, where, you know, a lot of people kind of like felt like Chris Ariola was almost similar to Luis Ortiz, of course, a former world title contender um, that, you know, had lost, uh, you know, bouts when he was fighting for the world title. And, of course, uh, Chris Ariola had his uh, bout with Adam Kalnaki, which was a, you know, highly uh, contested bout over the course of 12 rounds. So that opened up the door for him to face Andy Ruiz Jr. And Andy Ruiz Jr. ended up getting knocked down in that particular bout. And so now it's like, okay, you get through that bout, you get a decision win. 
over Chris Ariola. Now what's next for you? Luis Ortiz. Now it's like, hey, you get this win over Luis Ortiz, but it's a unanimous decision that could have been a majority draw given the scorecards of how they were read. Now what's next for you? Now, of course, they talk about, hey, you know, you have Andy Ruiz Jr. and you have former WBC heavyweight champion, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder, as a potential bout that could be in slate for 2023. And, I mean, it's something that, you know, I guess some people are looking forward to. But I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure about this because, you know, even, even in the state of, you know, how some people may think of where Deontay Wilder might be at this point, I would heavily, heavily favor Deontay Wilder in, in that bout. Heavily favor him, heavily, because one thing with 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 um. With Andy Ruiz Jr. And, and what I saw, you know, what I saw in this particular bout, I'm like, um, like you, you, you kind of like seen him be very vulnerable to a good number of shots, you know, and 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 to me that is kind of a a, a concern, you know, when when it comes to um, being in the heavyweight division where you know big shots are are plentiful, you know. So, you know, for me, I'm like, if you have Deontay Wilder that's uh, scheduled to face Robert Hellenius October 15th at the Barclays Center, Deontay Wilder gets through that particular fight and wins. He could potentially face Andy Ruiz Jr. in 2023, uh, pretty much around February, March of 2023, maybe February. I mean, you know, Deontay Wilder said that he wants to be as active as possible, um, you know, after this particular battle against Robert Hellenius. Then the people who like really feel like you know um Andy Ruiz is going to you know come through and give uh Wilder you know very um competitive fight. I know that you know Andy Ruiz Jr. said like as far as like a potential matchup with Deontay Wilder, you know, who was ringside in uh you know for this particular bout. Uh, that, you know, he said, like, if, if Wilder wins in October, you know, me and him are with the same, you know, management team and we can make this fight happen. You know, he's like, hey, he's ready. Let's do it. Let's get it on. You know, I'm hungry and I want to be champion again and, you know, bring belts back to Mexico. And he also said, you know, uh, that he he's willing and able to, you know, uh, make that fight happen. And on the flip side, Deontay Wilder is talking about, you know, that he's back and he's looking for, you know, exciting fights for the fans. And uh, if he if they say that Andy Ruiz Jr. is what's next, then, you know, he'll be ready to go if he, you know, goes and defeats Robert Lanius on October 15th. Uh, but, you know, for me, I think that, you know, that kind of like could shape uh, what could happen in the heavyweight division going past uh, the middle of 2023. Yeah, we did have recent news about the current WBC heavyweight champion that, you know, plans on continuing his career. So you are going to see like a few of these fights kind of like get positioned as to, you know, where, um, you know, 
you know, who is going to be one of some of those top contenders uh, there for the uh, WBC. So I'm like, well, you could have this potential fight between Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz Jr. happening. Um, but how how would it kind of like shape or move, you know, the uh, heavyweight division? You know, that that's the thing that I'm trying to uh, figure out is how this would kind of like say move the needle of sorts uh, when it comes to the heavyweight division. And, you know, like I said, I mean, with Andy Ruiz Jr. kind of, uh, you know, uh, getting through this bout against Luis Ortiz and, you know, I'm, I'm saying like, hey, if you are looking to, you know, try to be uh, one of those uh, guys that are, you know, among the um, best in the heavyweight division, then you got to be able to be impressive uh, against, you know, guys like Luis Ortiz or something like that, where, you know, you, you would say that Luis Ortiz, like I said, has been a world title contender, but looks, it looks like he's on the back end of his career where you are pretty much supposed to be within your prime of sorts uh, when it comes to your professional career. And so, you know, right now, you know, I would say that Luis going up against Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, early 2023, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, on the flip side, with Luis Ortiz, I mean, you know, Luis Ortiz, you know, of course, has had a whole bunch of experience. Um, now is uh, there with a record of 33 wins and three losses. Of course, uh, like I said, those two stoppage losses to Deontay Wilder and then uh, this uh, unanimous decision loss to um, Andy Ruiz Jr. And so now it's like, okay, where does Luis Ortiz go at this particular point of his career? That That's a good question. Like, what would be a, a, a fight if he, you know, if they continue to, you know, continue his career? He says that he wants to continue his career. What would be a fight for Luis Ortiz to have uh, here at this particular point? Um, you know, maybe, maybe it, it could be, um, you know, maybe Robert Hellenius, I guess, later on down the line, if Hellenius loses against Yancey Wilder on October 15th. Um, you know, maybe there's, you know, a few other fights that uh, could be on slate, you know, for Luis Ortiz out there, but. It, it it would have to be to something where it's a it's a point where people would be in demand to see Luis Ortiz in the ring. Um, ooh, would they want to see Luis Ortiz in the ring? I mean, now you know with Ortiz losing, maybe that changes his overall status in the IBF rankings. As you know, if you check the IBF rankings, he was the highest rated contender there for the IBF rankings above Philip Hergovich, above Anthony Joshua, above Joe Joyce, and above Joseph Parker. But now with him losing this particular bout, now it's like, okay, what, you know, what else is out there? Who else is out there for him, for him to face, uh, you know, at this particular point, you know, of his career, you know, like, is he going to face like a, a Otto Wallin, you know, or I don't know, maybe a Dominic Brazil, you know, these, you know, still fighting or whatever it is, you know, who knows? Uh, but it, that that's going to be a question there. Uh, bringing in a guest, you know, a long time, 
guest of the Boxing Source radio show here to join us in this conversation. It is the boxing academic in the building. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on, Jay? How you doing, man? All right, hold hold up just a minute. Looks like uh, something's going down here real quick. Um, hold on. See if you get a uh, speak again. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Now I can. Now I can. Nice, nice. Yep, yep. Uh, just saying hello. How you doing? Oh, all good, man. Uh, you know, like I said, I was you know talking about that Ruiz Ortiz fight in. You know, kind of like talking about the result in that, you know, even with those three knockdowns, yeah, you had a unanimous decision, but if you took away those knockdowns and you had the scorecards be what they were, it would have been a majority draw. What do you think about that? Well, I think what I said holds true in that Luis's Ortiz, Luis Ortiz's Achilles heel now is going to be his punch resistance. Everyone who goes in the ring with Deontay Wilder, they don't leave out the same way they came in. And it is very evident with Luis Ortiz. I mean, he's an old man, too. We, you, can, you can see that, that his um, physically, he has, he has deteriorated. And, I mean, our bodies aren't meant to, to go through that, the punishment that, that these professional athletes put themselves in. But, I mean... If you put a, a good boxer in with a good brawler, a lot of times the boxer wins. And so if you just had Luis Ortiz with stronger legs, and I don't know if that means that he needs to do exercises to focus on his legs, like, you know, sort of uh, targeted exercises to, like, make your knees stronger, because I'm sure that's a part of, of him having weak legs is that his knees are old and he just can't bend down. And maybe his knees are like are like blown or whatever, and mm -hmm. at, at which it ain't much he can do. But what I'm saying is, it makes sense. You 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 got a person who's a who's a better boxer than Luis than um, Ruiz, and as long as he kept Ruiz on the outside and he didn't let Ruiz sort of set his feet, he was fine. The moment he allowed Ruiz to get in close, set his feet throw them little punches. Now, Ruiz does very well when he shifts his body, which is one thing, like let's say he on the inside and he's sort of off balance or leaning. He does well doing the overhand like shift and like, you know, from his core, like generating a lot of speed on his punch. That would be the only thing I would, would uh, worry for Deontay Wilder because all these guys, when they get hit, right on the ear and stuff, they get hurt. Right. Especially in the heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Deontay Wilder ruptured eardrum, whatever. He ain't the same either. I mean, his punch resistance is lower. Everybody's punch resistance is lower. Maybe everyone except for Usyk. I mean, Usyk couldn't take no punch for real anyway. But what I'm saying is Usyk, I don't think, has had the type of concussions that everybody else has had. So, yeah. I mean, it made sense to me. The Achilles heel of uh, Luis Ortiz is going to be his punch resistance. And Father Time is undefeated. You can't get away from him getting touched. He's going to get touched eventually. And then what's going to happen is he's going to get touched with a, a regular or above average punch, not even a spectacular punch, and it's going to hurt him. And he always going to be fighting from behind. That I mean, 
unless he retire, which he getting really close to, well, he probably should think about retiring because it ain't. I get that he just now getting these opportunities, but they everybody mm-hmm. went out and they did exactly what they wanted to do. It's it's about time for him to think about something else. You know what I'm saying? Like because. Mm-hmm. Father Time is undefeated. That's why you see Floyd Mayweather fighting guys, you know, 20, 30 pounds smaller than him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at least he's smart yeah, about it. Exhibitions, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exhibitions. At least he's smart about it. Fight somebody who I know can't hurt me. Let me put a, let me add a little bit more weight. Hold my arms up, walk through them, and just, and just you know, Mexican style on them. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about Floyd, but the man is, is very tactical. And he knows how to use those tactics to make money. I, I mean, I expected Ruiz to win, and I and I knew and I felt like he was gonna win just, just based off of Luis Ortiz's punch resistance. I said it before. I mean, it didn't surprise me that Luis Ortiz was winning the boxing match, but his punch resistance will always fail him. Yeah. And and I I just didn't think that um Luis Ortiz would be able to do the same thing that he did against Charles Martin. I, I just felt like, you know, even with, you know, the instances where Andy Ruiz Jr. had been, like, caught, um, you know, by Chris Ariola in his last bout, I don't think, like, it would have been to the situation where uh, he would really get caught, in a sense, here against Luis Ortiz. But, yes, he did end up getting uh, hit with a few left hands by Luis Ortiz. And uh, that kind of, like, kept him honest in a sense. But the thing about it is, I, I just don't think it would have been enough for him to, like, say, be more cautious against Luis Ortiz to where he would have been able to score more knockdowns or he would have been able to finish off Luis Ortiz. You know, sometimes you got to be able to take advantage of that moment and just try to do what it takes in order for you to finish off your opponent. And in a lot of those instances where he was able to score, I would say two of the knockdowns was where he was able to get in close. And whether it's in a clinch or, you know, real close, where it's like in trying to tie him up, he was able to, you know, throw those hands in, in, in close and hit, uh, you know, Luis Ortiz around the temple or whatever it is and, and score those knockdowns. But, you know, what I was saying was I know that that's the most effective Andrew Reese Jr. is when he's in close quarters, but he doesn't do really that much in order to set up getting to the inside. He doesn't throw like a lead jab. He doesn't really move his head. He All he does is he really just puts his hands up and just, you know, just puts his arms up and down and watches for his opponent to throw a punch and then, you know, kind of like covers up or tries to block it. But as far as like throwing a left jab and coming forward or – you know, trying to set up your opponent to where you could land a good counter, he really hasn't done that. And, you know, for him to, you know, be under the tutelage of Manny Robles, uh, for him to be under the tutelage of, you know, Eddie Reynoso, you know, and, and being that he has, like, years and years of fighting, you know, fighting since he was a young kid, that you would have thought that, you know, he would have kind of, you know, you know, got those things or, you know, brought up those things. It's more of like his intangibles that, you know, he could catch people with counters or he could surprise people up close is what has him, you know, be able to have advantages against a number of his opponents or catch his opponents by surprise. That's what, you know, pretty much caught Anthony Joshua by surprise was that 
you know, Joshua thought he had the momentum after scoring the knockdown, so he just tried to come up close and, you know, work, but he ended up getting caught because of Andy Ruiz's hand speed up close. So if you know that you had those advantages by default, you want to add more elements to your game so that you can set up getting to your advantage. And you haven't really seen that with Andy Ruiz Jr. And uh, I, I just haven't seen it within the last three fights that he's had. You know, um, and yeah, he's definitely limited. I mean, I'm summarizing what you're saying, but he he's limited. And if you allow him to do <clears throat> that limited thing that he's that he has shown to have a strength at, then he gonna have success. Don't allow him to do it. Keep him away from you. He everybody will beat him the same way Joshua beat him. You know, um, and and that to me is why you know I, I heavily favor Deontay Wilder. Um, you know, over him. That they end up facing each other. My thing was, and, and we kind of like said this in an earlier conversation, that as long as Deontay Wilder, you know, uses uses jab or uses his reach or kind of like fights him the way that they fought Luis Ortiz, he shouldn't have much of a problem. Because, like I said, I mean, Andy Ruiz Jr. doesn't really set up his strengths by, you know, doing something in order to get to the inside. Like, he doesn't move around like a Joe Frazier or somebody that, you know, could – get in and out of bob and weave and then try to get to the inside so he he just he'll stand there and if he stands there he's just a sitting target for you to throw a left jab throw a left jab throw a left jab or you know like you say with wilder paul paul the jab bring down bring down one hand shoot with the right you know it, it's just there uh for deontay wilder uh, against someone like andy ruiz you would you would need to have some uh, a shorter fighter that could really move his head, get have some good uh, foot movement around the ring in order for you to, like, have uh, more of an advantage against Deontay Wilder in this particular sense. And I really don't see that from Andy Ruiz Jr., you know what I mean? Um, let me see if we can uh, try uh, another guest uh, coming in. Uh, has been coming in for the past few weeks here. Uh, clever uh, in the building. What's going on? What's going on, gentlemen? Can you hear me well? Yes, I uh, we can. Yep. Yes. Beautiful. I'm on this Bluetooth, and you know, you know how those headphones go. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? What's happening? Yeah, just uh, going over that main event there between Andy Ruiz Jr. and Luis Ortiz, and you know, Ruiz got the decision. Uh, Ruiz got the decision win, and um, uh, I mean, I, you know, from the judges, the judges didn't seem all too impressed. Yeah, after thinking about it for what seems like 24 hours later, it certainly seems that way. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed. I, you know, if you, if you remember a couple streams or six, seven streams ago, um, a days ago, excuse me, I was saying I had Ortiz win. He boxed pretty well, man. I mean, I think they had it right. He obviously was um, on the card somehow. Mm -hmm. um, what was interesting is that he couldn't put the old man away. Forget knocking out. Like, he right. couldn't even keep him from uh, getting about the canvas. So, um, I'm not going to say it wasn't lackluster because uh, Andy's hands are very nice, man, and very lethal. I would like to see that uh, pretty much against anybody, really, because Andy's capable. I just worry about um, the lapses. But I, I really, you know um, – Oh, coming back to Ortiz, you know, it's hard to put him away. 
the guy's really old. Rather 43, he's like 46. And then skipping to all the way to the end, you know, people want to like, people want to, they want to like, they want to throw Wilder in there. And I, and you know, Jay, I know you're not big on Wilder, man, but like what, you know, all, yeah, it's just narrative pushing. It's just like kind of with uh, Isaac Cruz and the tank situation. It's like, dude, you got big with the guy with one hand, uh, stop. And then now, and they want to put him in there. And I wouldn't mind it, but it's like, you know, they're already trying to push that. And I'm just like, yeah. nah, he couldn't even, he couldn't even put away old man. Wilder beat that guy three and four years ago. Really five, almost five. I think they fought because they fought twice, right? What was that 2016 20, and 2018? 20, no, 2018 and 2020 it looked like, right? Yeah. 2020? I don't think it was 2020. Well, I don't think it was I know the first fight was like March 1st, March 3rd. Um, you know, March I think 3rd. it. You should check that for me. I think it's really years. I think it's a little further back. But anyway, we beat that guy years ago. Yeah, because the thing with um, uh, yeah, Wilder was uh, yeah, eight uh, it was uh, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Yeah, and the old man was more twenty nineteen. Okay, cool. Back to back. Uh, yeah, because Fury's punk, but postpone the trilogy. There, you know how he does. Uh. So, yeah, um, you know, they want to insert that in there. You're right, because whatever's coming from Wilder, man, is going to put you down. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a big – I'm a – I just realized I have a confession, actually. I'm going to tell all my Twitter friends and YouTubers out there. I got a confession to make, actually. Uh, yes, I, I guess I am a PBC fanboy slash really a Showtime fanboy because I, I don't know, man. Well, that was an okay card last night. That was uh, – I'm not complaining about pay-per-view or anything, mm-hmm. but but it was okay. But I but the well, reason why I brought that up and, and admitted that was that I think Showtime would have did it better. <laughs> I think Showtime like would – Production or, or – Yeah, production, know. ambience, and, and just mm-hmm. possibly even like helping out on the card. They would have asked for more for the bang for the buck. Um. But uh, nevertheless, enjoyed it. Nevertheless, enjoyed it. I thought yeah, that guy I mean, who Cruz fought was trash. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get into that in a little bit, a uh, little bit later. Uh, you know, just wanted to finish up the thing here with that uh, Ruiz Ortiz man. Um, you know, like I was saying, I mean, Ruiz couldn't really finish off Luis Ortiz. And for me, Luis Ortiz kind of like seemed like he was reluctant to throw out that left hand. Like he was landing pretty well with the right jab, but he just didn't really follow it up with the with the left hand and and try to you know get like really get back into the fight or something like that in a sense. But from the scorecards, it looked like he was doing enough with the jab. You know, he, he just, was. He, he, like, you he know, was. Um, Ruiz was really kind of like responding that well to getting uh, hit with the jab. So I mean, I I, I just felt like, hey, I mean, if Ortiz kind of like followed that up a couple more times. Hey, we, yo, we could have really had something. Uh, because, like, I, I mean, while watching it, I'm like, he's landing the jab pretty well. I'm like, he's getting himself back into the fight. It's just that those knockdowns were pretty much the difference in momentum uh, for Andy Ruiz Jr. And the thing about it is, is like, you know, as, as heavyweights, 
if you score knockdowns like that, you want to see if you could go ahead and finish off your opponent because you never know when he could land something big too, especially, like I said, with Luis Ortiz. He got knocked down twice against Charles Martin and still was able to catch Charles Martin with a big shot and end up, you know, overwhelming Charles Martin in order to force the referee to stop the bout. So it's like, man. Excuse me. Yeah, man. Um, I can't help but kind of sneak AJ in there. <laughs> What's that tell you about that, dude? <laughs> oh, man. You know, so, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, I really don't know, like, what they're going to, you know, set up for Luis Ortiz at this particular point. Like I said, he has three professional losses. Yeah, he's 33 and three. Um, he is, you know, having that Cuban background, you know, how some how some uh, things are kind of like set up for Cuban fighters. So uh, who knows when he'll, you know, get another opportunity to get back in the ring. But, you know, for Andy Ruiz Jr., he's really open to facing Deontay Wilder next if Deontay Wilder gets to his belt against Robert Lennox on October 15th. So uh, we're going to uh, see how that is going to um, shape up uh, here in, in the near future. But, uh, moving along here, uh, as mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, Isak Cruz, Pitbull Cruz, was you know part of this card against Eduardo Ramirez. Uh, Isak Cruz, uh, you know, of course, is known for you know, having this performance against Gervonta Tank Davis last year. Um, and here it, it's like uh, you know he had that, and then he was part of that uh, Spence versus Ugas card. You know, against Yuriorkis Gamboa and scored that knockout win against Yuriorkis Gamboa. And, you know, with me being there live, you, you kind of like seen the good reaction there for Isak Cruz uh, in that bout against Yuriorkis Gamboa. So it looked like, you know, with him kind of like getting some fan, uh, uh, fan appreciation, uh, building up a fan base, looked like they put him uh, in the ring here once again this year. Uh, this time against uh, a guy in Eduardo Ramirez, who, you know, wasn't really um, there at uh, lightweight. Uh, he has basically had the past couple fights at super uh, featherweight or whatever it is, at 130-pound limit. Um, you know, did face like guys like uh, Miguel Mariaga and Luis Melendez, uh, there in that particular weight class, but he had been campaigning at featherweight as well, you know, for some time. So, uh, you know, having someone that has like, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> campaign in the featherweight division for a majority of his career, you know, going up against Isaac Cruz at lightweight, yeah, that was a definite mismatch, an absolute mismatch, and. You know, that just kind of like been like something where Isaac Cruz washed, uh, you know, uh, Eduardo uh, Ramirez. Eduardo. Here. So it wasn't really like something that it, it was. Uh, uh, real quick, though, Jay, real quick, sir. Um, real quick, so it looks like you guys already covered it. Mm -hmm. uh, you can give me the short. What, what uh, did you guys talk about, Ryo? No, have not. Have not. Oh, okay, never mind. My, bad, my bad, my yeah, bad. My bad. My bad. So, so there's that. Um, well, before I like continue there with the thing with Isaac Cruz, want to add in another uh, guest uh, coming in here. 
<laughs> with the with the pretty interesting avatar uh checking in from Tampa brother Terrell uh in the building what's going on hey what's up guys hey real quick Esau Cruz is look <laughs> as each fight goes on this guy is looking like the future of, of 135 I mean uh he, he may be limited with his, with his stature but hell tank is small himself too he's done one to two but it's, it's kind of like funny the loss his loss to tank is done so much for his confidence, things like that, and his skill set. So, I mean, of course, we need to see it against higher competition, and we will eventually get that. But Isaac uh, Cruz is looking like the truth at 135 at this point. Yeah, and and that's the thing too that um you know hopefully actually I should reach out to uh, his manager promoter Sean Gibbons, Sean Knucklehead Gibbons, to see like what else you know could be here in the near future for him. You know, I think that he's. You know, building, like I said, building a fan base that that fight against uh, Devontae Tank Davis last December uh, really, like, showed, um, you know, what, what he could potentially do. Um, I mean, I think that people, like, kind of like came off of that particular fight, like, saying, like, this is a really tough, uh, really good or really good fighter or whatever it is, really tough, durable, whatnot, and that, you know, maybe they could do a few things with him in the lightweight division. And for me, I, I see like there could be two potential opponents out there uh, for Isak Cruz. Um, you know, one is Michelle Rivera. Um, you know, Ali, <laughs> Michelle Ali Rivera uh, there uh, is uh, someone that, at 135 that they could, you know, potentially put Isak Cruz in there against. That would kind of like be a good little fight of contrasting styles with, you know, Isak Cruz being a brawler, you know, coming in there, you know, Kind of you know going into uh, getting to his opponent and and um, the thing with uh, Rivera kind of being more of like a boxer you know boxer puncher type of uh, fighter there, or you could have another boxer puncher in there against Isaac Cruz with Rolando Roly Romero. We haven't really seen what would be next for Roly Romero since his uh, knockout loss to, uh, Gavante Tank Davis, uh, in the Barclays Center and Memorial Day weekend. So we like to see like what else could be out there for Roly Romero. And I'm like, well, Hey, maybe that could be it, uh, for Roly Romero. And that would kind of like make for a really good fight because there, I really think that one fighter would end up getting knocked out or stopped. If uh, if it was Isaac Cruz versus Roly Romero, so that would kind of like be a really interesting fight between those two characters uh, there. That uh, could be something that could potentially happen next uh, there. So those are like you know two uh, two fights that are out there uh, for Isaac Cruz. Uh, you know what what does anyone think about those two potential matchups? Well, I, uh, on, did you catch uh, Roly's response to uh, Cruz's win on Twitter? Uh, let me let me see. Let me see if I can find that first, and then if I find it, then I'll um I'll uh, see if I can try to do uh, uh Roly Romero. Um, uh, it's not hard. To <laughs> <laughs> a Roly Romero voice or something like that. It's you your know? typical wild, brash style. Uh, basically, it only goes on for like a couple of minutes, but basically. Roy Romero said, yeah, I would basically I would knock him out. He goes to a quick punch output mode and stuff like that. But typical of Roly Romero, but 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 even even with Romero, it would be a good a good fight. Definitely would be a good fight. But even Romero back to him. 
I'm glad that in this, in this fight against Tank, he showed a, a classic, composed boxing style. So we expect for that for that to, for that to come up come from from him going forwards and everything. But but just <laughs> like I said, only in boxing do you get responses like this and reactions like this. Uh, would it be? And this goes back from years and years where people just out here acting fools for the camera. And it's, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's boxing. You have to you have to get, get gain yourself attention and things like that. But the uh, it's just it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel you, I feel you on that one. Um, yeah, my thing with, uh, you know, Romero, there was also one thing that was kind of like mentioned on Twitter, uh, from Gravante Tank Davis, where he said, Hey, maybe, you know, uh, uh, fight between, uh, Isha Cruz and Rosie Romero would be a good little scrap. Uh, but before, you know, I go forward in this, I want to add in another columnist. Uh, looks like he has a very interesting avatar that he's added on here. We, we know him. As the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club, Mister Mbo, Mister Yo, what's good, to y'all, man? I had I had to bring out the the official MVO Book of Negroes uh, logo because you have a, a panel full of Negroes. Uh, oh so no! I wanted to. <laughs> what's up, man? Uh, yo, what's good? Yo, boxer academic, what's good, my brother? It's been too long. It's been a week. I'm doing. I'm doing good, Matt. Just uh, eating my steak and and uh, my sweet potato. I like that, and my asparagus I, and uh, some carrots. I ain't want to say it. I ain't want Terrell to like shit on me. You know, Terrell be be being mean if you talk about food and stuff. Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm about to head to take your uh, ass in the kitchen. I'm about to. I'm about to head to Outback Steakhouse right now. Oh, so I'm gonna get me some steak and stuff. They got that in New York. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that was funny. Wow. That was funny. You know, since I stopped eating pork, I have cravings for steak. Why you steak like, like every other hey, week? Man. Ain't nothing wrong with eating steak, my brother. That is what we men are meant to do. Okay. <laughs> I, I oh, eat pretty much a ribeye every day. NBO, uh, you know, talking about the true fight where Wash is opponent and and the thing with the. Uh, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz, where you know, I kind of feel like you were disappointed uh, with that particular fight. Not yes, I was disappointed with, with the scorecards. Like, yo, we had two two scores of well, basically like a six 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 when yes. it came to rounds, and one scorecard that had seven five yes. in favor of Ortiz. Yes, and, and guess what, Jr. It should have been nine three in favor of Luis Ortiz because that is the fight that I saw. One fourteen, one eleven. Luis Ortiz should have got the decision. Wow. But we all know yeah. what it is. They want a Mexican. PBC wants a Mexican. Uh, that draws some stuff in California. They they want to. They, 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 the fix was in. They're trying to they're trying to push the old man out of the game, but the old man showed. Despite being knocked on the canvas three times, that he is a warrior. He got up and he gave Andy Ruiz a boxing lesson. And I thought that Andy Ruiz only won rounds two, seven, and eleven. Yeah, yeah. You know, man, I said the same thing. I was like, "What was surprising? Surprising? Like, forget the knockout. He couldn't even keep the old man from getting up off the canvas, man. That guy talking about Ortiz. I had him winning too, or meaning like I, I thought he was going to win the match." 
um, I, he was boxing around that guy. He just pretty much he forced the action because every time he came in, he would get hit pretty fastly. So it was a uh, it was an interesting match. It was an interesting I mean, match. Real fast, real fast, Jay. Like real fast, Jay, because uh, Rui's face was pretty messed up, man. His shit was really messed up. He looked like he had been beat up. He was like, oh man. The funny part is, um, it might not go down as controversial. Yeah. It might not go down as controversial, yeah. but that second knockdown in the second round. Oh yeah, yep. knockdown was that really a knockdown? The scores would have it would have it would have been a draw. It would have been a draw if not for that yeah. second knockdown being called. Good call, sir. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Steve, let me... Yeah, thank God. Nah, I would have thought it would have been like if you took away all the knockdowns, it would have been a majority draw. Two scores of one fourteen, one fourteen, one score one fifteen, one thirteen in favor of two fourteen. No, no, it was it was it was it was two scores of one thirteen, one twelve, which means Luis Ortiz nah. would have lost that second point for the second knockdown. Nah, you had Zach Young. Remember that was a ten seven round. Yeah, but Zach Young had it one fourteen, one eleven. And Eddie uh, Hernandez Sr. had it 114, 111. There was one score of 113. I thought it was 113, 112 twice. No. Nah, uh, I thought it was, it was 113, 112 twice. Yeah. But, but, it, but going off that, though, like you had a number of those rounds where Luis Ortiz was basically controlling the pace of the fight with just his right jab. You know, Most I was of the fight. like. You know, the thing yeah. with his right jab was doing pretty well, but he didn't really follow it up that much with the left hand. Like, I think yeah. with, with, with um, Andy Ruiz Jr. is, they talk about his offense, but they don't talk about his lack of defense. All he does, you know, That's a lot of times he just, you know, comes in and he's like this and, you know, has his hands up and, you know, blocks punches, but he doesn't really do well when it comes to throwing counters where they have like a good amount of spacing, he just waits until he's able to get to the inside, and then you know he can clinch up. He could throw a couple of combinations. He could throw you know two or three punch combinations up close. But outside of that, it's like where's the jab that could establish him getting to the inside? Where's his other elements that he could set up in order to land those big shots once he's been in range? Didn't really see that. But it's his biggest I think his feet are too, his feet are too slow. Inability mm -hmm. to adapt to the softball style. He saw that. He just stayed out. Uh, he pulled the fight, like you guys said, with his jab, boxing, staying around outside, boxing, boxing. But uh, Ruiz just cannot stop that softball style. That's, that's, that's really what it boiled down to. I mean, yeah, you could say that, but he, you know, what we're saying in this conversation, that he was just jab, jab, bang, bang, jab, jab, bang, bang. And his defense was putting on back the weight and going in, this kid. So. Yeah, you could you could say that little slow footwork and um, his chin for defense. He needs to work on that. You know, it, it, it's so funny though. If if Luis Ortiz uh, didn't make those mistakes and engage it like he did, he could have boxed a twelve-all decision like it was nothing. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw no improvement from from Luis. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing that I, I mean that I opened up with. I mean, you have. Andy Ruiz Jr. that was in his third fight with his third different trainer. So, yeah, but... so it's like, okay, is he supposed to like develop something else, you know, along the way from being with different 
you know, trainers or kind of like have something where, okay, I, I was with, you know, Eddie Reynoso, I was able to learn this or, you know, I'm with, you know, who I'm with now and you'll learn something different. I didn't really see that. I think Reynoso messed him up. <laughs> but uh, the, the, another problem with Ortiz is that, you see, he's really 46, not 43. All right, we're not going to start that. We're not going to start that. No, 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 no. That's real, man. Not, I'm just saying. No, it's not. It's not real. It's not real. Okay, no, Cuba, he's old, bro. Excuse me. Cuba has one of the best medical systems in the entire world. Okay? Can I go to their social security right now and, and, and you know figure that all out? A right social now? security number is only a United uh, exactly. States. Exactly. Exactly. Literally, but that's only a United States thing. You can't get a social security number from any country. Well, okay, let me be specific. No, let me be specific. Let me be specific. Where can I find that type of information? What type Does of information? Be? I just said that because that's just broad, a broad term. What type of information? Uh, I'm not trying to make it a big deal. Name, name, number, all that good stuff. ID, anything that I no, but, but no, but that's that's very that's very. But look, 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 it's not a big deal. In, I'm just saying in, that's in real. Racism against brown countries. No, it's not real. That's that's oh racism. Where, where against you? brown countries? Only brown countries do they say Brother. they don't know your real date of birth. Get the fuck out of here with that. Well, what's the system Brother. in Europe? Brother. But you don't question Brother. you don't question the Europeans, Brother. do you? Come I on, question I all. I said the same thing. Up, no, I said the same thing. All right, all right, all right. I said the same thing. Hey, hey, I got something to add to the comment. All right, all right, hey, 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 fuck what y'all talking about. I know his knees old as fuck. His knees fifty years old. <laughs> that man got some bad knees. <laughs> yeah, because he's really old. He's like that old. No shit. That dude was moving it. That dude was moving his feet like one, two. One, two, one, two. That's pretty much it. You know, so I'm like, come on, man. You, you gotta be able to do something. But like I said, but you have someone like Andy Ruiz who really doesn't have that much uh, good football in anybody. You you can, you know, show people better to a certain extent with something like that happening. So, so there's that. Um, you want know, to talk about the whole thing with Isak Cruz and Eduardo Ramirez? Like I said, Ramirez is just like some of that was like a, a featherweight or whatever it is, super featherweight. Fighting at 
Um, and Ryo was just not ready for it. Oh, we're talking about Ryan. I thought we were talking about Isak, man. My bad. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, you were talking about the whole thing with, like, you know, bringing up, you know. Uh, no, I thought we quickly. I thought we quickly switched the cruise, though. I thought we oh, really no, no, quickly no, no, switched no, no, the cruise. No. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So yeah, I'm like, hey, why, why, you know, uh, what, what does this do as far as like the overall uh, momentum or trajectory for uh, Rio? You know, getting uh, caught up in, you know, this particular instance. Um, um for starters, one thing that kind of stood out for me. I wasn't really complaining about any referees much last night, but and going straight to this matchup, uh, Ryo he got cooked, man. Yeah, like before he even knew it, he was beat. And that guy, um, he was like, man, I guess he knew him and liked him. He was like, hey, man, I'm not gonna let you get embarrassed like this. I know you're on the come up, but he lost. I think he'll bounce back. Um, but also too, you know, he took a fight on a week's notice. You know, he didn't know that guy. And then here's another excuse. He kind of didn't even look right, man. At the beginning of, of the fight, he was a little nervous, a little butterflies, jitters. And then when he – that first round, you know, he was already getting pieced up, getting pawed up. He was like, oh, man. But I, I like where he's at, man. I, I like him as a fighter. I like him in the ring. I like his camp. And if he just crew, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. He's, he's in a nice spot. He's in a good area. He's in a good timing. He'll be all right. Yeah. Oh, MBO, you were you were talking about it, like you know, saying that he got cooked in this particular instance. So, like, did you think it was like a trap fight for him? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I was never a big believer in Ryo to begin with, bro. This is Man. not surprising to me. Uh, what is surprising to me is how quickly they got that. You know, I didn't think he was gonna lose this early. I thought when he stepped up, he was gonna lose. But I guess this meant to step up for him. Like mm-hmm. when, when I saw the replacement opponent, I was looking like, oh, he's a heavy hitter. So you know, Ryo got to be careful. But Ryo thought he was gonna go in and get him out of there. But but that's the issue when it comes to punches. What happens when you face someone that can take your punch? Can you then uh, audible and find a way to either get them out of there or box the decision? And Ryo's not capable of doing that at this stage of his career. Word, word. Uh, boss, you checking back in? Yep. Don't tell me I got a uh, phantom profile again. <laughs> uh, Which one was Ryo? Which one was Ryo? Which dude was Ryo? Uh, dude, that friend, uh, you know, that uh, Jose Valenzuela, you know, uh, came in there and uh, was there at lightweight, uh, going up, like I said, going up against De Los Santos. Um, the boxing academic is asking which fighter it is. I just want to point that out. Which fighter is what? Which fighter is who? I watched the fight, but I just don't remember. The boxing academic is asking who is who. Envy, I'm glad you finally got you a a profile picture. (laughs) (laughs) 
put it on. I'm 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 cool. I got I I deserve that. Yeah, because you fronted me and told me to get a profile picture. Yeah. And I paid somebody forty dollars to do this. <laughs> oh you man. Need, you need to get your money back. No, nah, they did well. Don't try to hate on them. They did well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 they did well. Don't try to don't hey, don't try to play play it. That dude did well. Oh, Good forty dollars spent. Who did it for you? Some dude off of uh Fiverr. I don't know. Fiverr? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I got like one of the, the things for like doing the intro, like fifteen second intro for videos. That's that's where I got the joint from. Look, oh, look okay. like you got it from Wish. <laughs> no, yours look like you got it from Wish. It look, yours look like <laughs> one of them one of them goddamn uh, raccoons that got hit by a car. And then the blood, and then the blood, the blood underneath it. Look at the blood underneath. <laughs> First of all, first of all, I made this myself. I, I know you this. did. It's bleeding. It got hit and it's bleeding. I made this myself. Oh, bloody raccoon. Uh, I could. It, took, it took me two minutes. It took me only two minutes. You need to change the color scheme. It's like the raccoon got hit. It got X's on his eyes. It's bleeding. <laughs> Let us <laughs> oh, okay. Hey man, you know we, we I cracked too, man. Y'all know you clown me. <laughs> but you did that to yourself with that dead raccoon. Oh man. But what's next for Ryo? Back to the drawing board? I yeah. think so. Uh yeah. you know that's He's okay. Unless Unless if they do do this uh, thing where um you know where you have the instance of a fighter you know that's coming up undefeated and then runs into somebody and ends up getting knocked out or stopped and they may set up a rematch for those same two fighters because they wouldn't they didn't really think that you know uh, De Los Santos was going to win this bout so I wouldn't be surprised if they set up a rematch between these two guys. Next. Yeah, but the rematch won't be as, as exciting because you're going to have them making Ryo basically box and move all day because mm -hmm. they know he can't take this kid's punch. But, but that's the thing about it, too. It's like, you know, um, Ryo was kind of like ranked in WBC, and this was like one of those little minor belts was uh, put up for this fight. So, like, I, I'm I'm thinking that they're, they're kind of like moving this towards uh, – you know, having a rematch here for this particular, you know, bout because they, man, even in the WBC rankings, they had Ryo ranked above Michelle Rivera, man. Which I'm like, I don't know how that's possible, but they, they, you know, they had him up there, you know, so that that's, that's what's going on. Um, oh, you know, what else they had? Uh, well, not uh, this one wasn't really part, wasn't part of the pay per view card, it's part of the, like the thing with the FS1. Um, Ray Salim going up against Mike Plonga, uh, there in uh, Super Bantamweight, and Ray Salim just shut him out 10 rounds to zero, scored a knockdown, uh, you know, got the win, and you know, immediately after that win, he he called out, you know, the 2021 boxing source fighter of the year, Stephen Fulton, you know, um, and I'm like, hey, 
if they really don't have anything else out there for Stephen Fulton right now, then, you know, why not have this bout? You know, I, I feel like it's almost like in a way they're – see how they did that? In a way, they're trying to wait until it's potentially a fight between Stephen Fulton and Nyoya in a way. Uh, after in a way, you know, goes ahead and fights Butler and becomes undisputed champion, uh, super flyweight, whatever it is, then uh, moves up and wait or whatever it is. Or my away. money on Steve Fulton. You know, I'll, yeah, I would, I would do that same thing too. I'll put my money on. Uh, but by the time we can knock knock this hype train down, <laughs> any anyway, not a hype train. Anyways, not a hype train. I, I must stuff. admit, I'm 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 talking crap. I, I hadn't watched many of his fights, so I, I don't know to be honest. But but how but what, what about his uh kind of like his resume of sorts? Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like been of note. Um, you know that he's, you know, you know, face the top. I guess you could say he's faced the top guys in bantamweight. You know. Now, but when he was a division below and super flyweight, that you had all of those uh, guys, well-known guys, in super flyweight. Yeah, that's the only hole in his resume is the super flyweight division. Yeah, that's the only hole in his resume. You, you don't face, you know, Rat King or you know Chocolatito. Like you could have had a fight against Chocolatito. You could have stayed around there for a little bit and fought Chocolatito, and that would have been a really, really, really big fight. Up there at that particular weight class, but you know he didn't uh, really, really do that. Uh, on the last so what's his match, biggest fight? No Nito Denier. Up to this yes. point, yeah, uh, either that or you could say Navarez, because uh, he smoked Navarez mm -hmm. uh, when uh, nobody even knew who he was, <clears throat> and Navarez was a long reigning champion. How did how did he win over Navarez by knockout? He smoked him, yeah, smoked him. Yeah. Left hook to the body. Oh, okay. In fact, that was the super flyweight card in HBO when they started coining it as the punch bowl mm -hmm. over here in South Bay. Mm -hmm. But um, which you know, get full credit for being anyway considered that fact. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Yes, sir. Yes, he would. But the thing about you know, I'm not really making it too big of a deal between those two guys yet because I think Naoya needs to get off from under the top ranked banner first. And then, yeah, we can start talking. And then we are having some spaces over the weekend. And go where? Uh, well, if he's going to fight Steve Fulton, he's going to come on over to the PBC. But I don't, I don't, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he is. But I mean, that, that would be the most likely direction since a lot of smoke uh, is over here on that side of the border. But kind of hear me out again, too. You know, in my opinion, I think Naya, anyway, uh, He's one of those fierce guys, and he's the real deal, like Matt was saying. But, you know, he, he's a guy really looking for a challenge, so he's going to keep challenging himself. He has a real chance to end his career undefeated and possibly topping out at featherweight. But uh, mm. if not so soon, if not so soon, you know, it will be 122. The problem with that is that there's not really a lot of up-and-coming 122s right now. You just kind of got a solid base of guys. A lot of guys don't really – they're still 50-50 on MJ, but we, you know, and, that, and that's even more on that. But, uh, you know, with, with, yeah, I just want to wait on him to get off on the top rank. He'll, he'll be okay. Yeah, good. But I, I, mean, I, but I also, one more thing, Jake, like I, I also like, see, I, 
I also fight against his ranking a lot because I think Tank's Leo Santa Cruz win is better than anything on his resume. I really do. And there's already murmurs and talks of like, oh, people want to rematch between him and Cruz. And I'm like, God, we beat him with one hand. And by just using some other folks' logic, I'm like, fine, cool. If he goes in there and beats Cruz, knocks him out in, in three or fewer rounds, make him number one because Naela got Busic's number one by beating a 40-year-old, man. Like he fought that guy at 38, 38. and then he fought, he fought him two years later at 40, and that made him number one. And I'm just like, dude, they're, they're arguably the same size. I'm just like, eh. You know, whatever, but, you know, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's the real deal, that, and. Yeah, speaking of that pound-for-pound pound thing, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, release my list a little bit later, you know what I mean? So so there's that. Um, having uh, another uh, guest that wants to jump into the live conversation, uh, welcome in uh, this first-time guest on to the Boston Source Radio Show with Gusto in the building checking in. Gusto, what's happening? What's going on, man? You're what's happening. Hopefully, everybody's well. Uh, I won't use people's uh, government names, but y'all know who you are. Good evening to you, brothers. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? That's it's like a hundred degrees in SoCal, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I called. I called. I called my kids earlier. They they seem extremely sad. Uh, I don't. I don't feel the most sympathy for them. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. This humidity been hitting me with the Randy Savage elbow drop for two years. <laughs> From the it's top row, buddy. From the top row. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what what you think about that uh, Ruiz Ortiz card, man? Uh, look, man, I, I gladly paid. Uh, I gave Fight TV about just under $100 in less than 24 hours. Uh, I paid 20 bucks to watch uh, Prince Albert Bell and a couple of Toledo and Cincinnati and Ohio fighters uh, mm -hmm. do their thing. And then the very next day, you know, for everybody who talk trash, tell people, put your money where your mouth is. If y'all going to be stream team, then stream it. But shut up if you stream it. I, I paid my 75, 76 bucks yesterday and uh, hell of a hell of a hell of a card, man. I mean, the main event was, in my opinion, I think the main event was the most probably to a certain extent, lackluster fight because the undercard was amazing. Like I, it was, it was worth, it was worth my money. It was way better than I thought it was gonna be. I was supporting it because I always want to see heavyweights fighting. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, look, I just don't see Andy Ruiz for two straight fights. Well, hell, three if you go back to Joshua too. There's now three straight fights where he just doesn't. Oddly enough, no pun intended. He don't look hungry. <laughs> <laughs> just being real he doesn't he doesn't look hungry the way he used to mm -hmm. uh hard hard to get up and do that work sleeping on silk sheets whatever you want to call it plus i said i'm not i'm not rooting for no man with tattoos on his ass but uh yeah bro he he went out there and, you know he got a tattoo on his ass yeah be, because it's, it's it's literally all over all of his social media uh, i had some people who they tried to report one of my tweets because oh, okay. uh it was a uh, there's a video you go on my Twitter feed. There's a video of Canelo rubbing after oh, he yeah. had the Canelo's bro, like rubbing, like rubbing the A and D cream or something on his butt. And yeah. I just attached the George Lopez Masputo clip, and people were like, "This is Hazel." I was like, "Oh, hold on. Why are y'all tempted to flag this tweet?" I'm like, "Why this tweet got so much activity and and no likes?" But 
Yeah, oh. man. Uh, nah, there, there's Ruiz. Ruiz ain't the same. For some reason, you know, him going in there against Ariola, he didn't step it up against Ariola. He got right. dropped. Last night, if you take away, including, I don't, I'm, I'm going to call it two knockdowns. If you take away the two knockdowns, he was getting jabbed up, punched up for the entire fight. Like, and it wasn't like Ruiz's jab or Ortiz's jab was coming extremely fast. Right. It was slow. It was predictable. But Ruiz just couldn't. It was 12 rounds of him getting hit in the face. You know what? You and, know what was yeah. crazy? You know what was crazy about the jab with, with Luis Ortiz? Is that it was predictable, but it, it's not like he he was he was trying to fake out Andrew Ruiz Jr. by doing stutter steps and trying to do feints. But he was still like right there in front of you know Andrew Ruiz Jr. throwing the jab. But with Andrew Ruiz, he he doesn't have the leg movement and he doesn't really move his head. So that jab was gonna be right there available for uh Luis Ortiz the whole fight. You know? Yeah, I, I just was I've been really let down by uh let down by Ruiz after he showed up looking like an extreme fat body in Joshua too. And ever since then, I mean, it, he made too much money. Now I won't say he made too much money, but he got paid to a point where now it's not like he was in his young top rank days getting paid, you know, 85,000, 125,000 to fight where, you know, he had to go and work. And even then Bob cut him cause he wouldn't show up in shape. So yeah, man, it's, it's, I don't know, bro. I, I really, I don't know for the people who think he's uh, going to be wilder, Whatever. Yeah, there, there. He's, he's, he's gonna get killed. I mean, Wilder may not have the most effective jab, but I mean, he's out here getting dropped by Chris Ariola and getting worked over by, or by Ortiz, who and neither are as fast or as strong as Wilder. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm. I look just, just give me Ruiz versus Frank Sanchez. Just line it up. Yeah, just line it up. What? If you have, if you have Ruiz uh, or, or uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. against Deontay Wilder. You might get a similar result to Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, too. Just that one, two, and then that two comes in, bam, you're going to see that sweat flying all over the place. You know, I, I just don't see Andy Ruiz being any type of a, you know, threat to, uh, you know, beat Deontay Wilder in that sense. So, yeah, just, just put him, yeah, put, put him, put Andy Ruiz there against uh, Frank Sanchez. Actually, that might, now that might be a more competitive fight, and Sanchez might be able to win that. You know, uh, can I say I, something about Wilder before we go to Sanchez and Ruiz? All right. The only thing that concerns me, and and I and I think this won't be a problem because I see that Deontay Wilder is doing road work again, but his endurance got to get better. He can't have the same disposition and 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 you know how he sort of just just completely drained the second Tyson Fury fight okay it could have been some screwing that okay but the third one it was what it was I mean he gave gave it his all and you know you got to give him props but his endurance was was um very questionable he can't he can't do that against Ruiz because Ruiz will with them slow feet, get close to him and, and throw punches, you know, which is what he needs. He needs the ability for him to, to be right there, to plant his feet, and then, you know, throw them like little over overhand hooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I, I kind of like see with, with Wilder, I mean, what is it going to be as far as like his, uh, 
for me, it's going to be his weight. How is he going to be able to carry his weight? Because remember, the thing with uh, those uh, Fury fights is he came in much heavier uh, than he did in, uh, against uh, Fury in the first fight. So, you know, he was more, you know, I would say comfortable being the quote-unquote slim reaper, as MVO says. Uh, but him being above like 226 or being around 230 pounds, I'm not sure if that's going to work for him uh, long term, you know, against opponents like that. So, yeah, he needs to stay away from that bulking. He needs to stay away from that. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, they, you know, like I said, they got him running. He's out there running in the track and, and things like that. He's working a little bit more with, uh, you know, hand speeding and kind of being more fluent with his punches. So we'll see how that turns out uh, here in, in his bout against Robert Hlinius on October 15th. But doesn't he do um, – doesn't he have issues with taller fighters? So I think – I'm not going to say he's going to struggle, but I think he may struggle more because this is a taller fighter, and he yeah. historically has not – yeah. you know, he can punch down fine, but, you know, he, his 72-inch um, wingspan, which is probably longer than that, helps him with the shorter fighters. Yeah, his wingspan is like what well, he have an eighty three. He's got eighty three inch reach, and uh, going up against someone that has a reach of like you know seventy nine. And and I mean, my thing is, Hellenius is going to be there right in front of him, you know. So as long as he's like you know staying active with the jab, he he should be able to you know break down uh, Robert Hellenius in, in, in this particular bout. Uh, but he's going to have he's going to see if he can have more elements to his game. Uh, here against uh, you know uh, Helena, so so that's the thing about that. Um, that's not gonna be a difficult fight, anyways. Men that they were sparring partners, so they're already familiar with each other. No fear, familiar with power and stuff like that. But at this point, uh, when they fight next month, Wilder is a much more better fighter now. Back when they did sparring, so it's gonna be as much as they know each other. It's gonna be totally different. Yeah, yeah. That's I like that drill. I drive so it I'm on it. Uh, now, yeah, pretty much like went through, you know, that particular card. Um, I know that there's uh, something coming on uh, this weekend, but before I get into that, I wanted to, you know, kind of like drop in something in reference to uh, potentially about that may happen in December as, uh, you know, we're kind of like getting closer to another big fight brewing maybe. And uh, Gavante Davis and Ryan Garcia. Looks like, you know, they've had their little back and forth. Uh -oh. But we'll see because uh -oh. after that, you really hadn't heard much about them uh, kind of like having that trash talk. So now a lot of people felt like uh, Ryan Garcia was kind of like flaking. But according to the folks in, uh, in uh, camp, you know, over there in Baltimore, you know, they're saying, hey, at this particular point, there's no turning back now. There's no turning back now for Ryan Garcia. So once once they, you know, finalize the offer or whatever it is and send it over Ryan's side, he, he can't he can't back down now. So it's like, right. hey, we we may see Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia in December, uh, it looks like. And I think it right like right now. It's pretty much the best time to do it. There really isn't – you really don't have that much time to, like, try to marinate anything in reference to these particular fighters. So I'm like, hey, why not make, you know, the biggest fight possible 
Forte Davis right now since you 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 don't have you know Devin Haney available. You're not gonna get Vasilevchenko, so why not go after or try to get Ryan Garcia in the ring? Because you know how it is with Tank Davis. You know it, it's more of like him having big events, not just big fights, but big events. And this would be the biggest event that they could pretty much make for Gavante Tank Davis at this point. Where would they have that fight? Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. say yeah. Vegas or Vegas. Yeah. I I only think it will be in L.A. because they, if you if you look if you look numbers wise, man, make the long story short. Uh, Ryan had that fight. Uh, Ryan, what I I saw Ryan at Honda Center sold out. But that was before he blew up, blew up. That was kind of the beginning of the move where they noticed the numbers he could do. But even right now, most recently when he was at Staples. They put Alex Rocha, who's actually an L.A. kid, on the undercard because Rocha, literally Alex Rocha going to bring in 2,000, 3,000 people on his own. Um, but after that, you know, you add in Ryan, that's possibly another four to 5,000. And they did cool at uh, Staples Center. But Tank went in there and sold it out. All the seats open and like the gate was double. So it, right, yeah. L.A. LA makes sense because it's. It's more it, it's more essentially located for both groups, and, you know they they gonna they gonna want to end they gonna want an in house crowd already built in, you know. Plus in L A, I mean, depending on the weekend they do it out in Vegas, you know, if it's a Raider weekend, you get all the transplants, all that other stuff. But yeah, L A L A makes the most sense. I mean, I'd love for them to do it down here in Atlanta, but due to if it happens, due to Ryan being who Ryan is. It, yeah, it's 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 not gonna buy. It, so. Yeah, it's not gonna. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought about Atlanta. Who is Ryan? Is? What does Ryan is real, mean? Real quick, Jay. Real quick, because my my phone's about to die. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all as good as Dandy, man. It's just all up to if uh, Oscar, you know, gets the green light for him to come on over. This is all if the Golden Boy will let him come over. That's the only way this stuff goes down. I I, I don't want to squash that, but like that's, no, that's real. Right. That's no, real. They're like you're like we can get an offer, we can get it going. When this is all encouraging, but it's just gonna. He has to give the green light for that stuff. No, so I hope he, it, he he pretty much said but, openly that like Austin. Well, uh, oh, well, let me again. Um, you know, he says a lot of things, man. But at the end of the day, Ryan's coming over here. That's it. No, com- no co-promotional crap. None of that. None, right. of, none of that stuff. Clever, like, clever, clever's right. It's not going to be the stuff that hung up the Moongi and Charlo fight. Yeah, or, or any of it. Like, or any of it. Like, Tank is like, if you wanted to already make an argument, Tank's way too big, bro. And that's not, that's like, we're not going to just screw how we've been doing pay per view just for one guy. Think the, the uh, Spence Crawford's this. But, anyways, I'm a jet real fast. If I can hop back on, if you guys are still on, I'll be doing Go out and What's good? Who's that? Who's that? Oh, what's up? What's up? What's up? Why? What's up? Why? I'm, all right, I'm definitely gonna be back. Oh, I want to talk to Wyatt soon. Peace <laughs> and blessings, guys. Peace and blessings. I'll be back. Where, where, where? Neil, what's good, man? All right, yo, I got something for you. All right. All right. Um, I heard Ryan took thirty-five, and I heard that the zone is going to take. Mexico and I think UK. Showtime gets, Showtime gets America. 
Against America, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, thirty-five percent. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah, that kind of like looks like um. Remember Wilder Fury one? Yeah. Uh, you know when they had Showtime for U.S. and then uh, the Zone took the, you know those other markets pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. That that's that's how this would kind of like go. So, um. So yeah. Uh. Hold yeah. on. I'm trying to. Uh, try to focus on the date here real quick. Uh, December 17th, maybe. Because uh, I think Tink said that he wouldn't really want to try to do it around his birthday, right? So, yeah, I'm thinking it might be more towards uh, December 17th or something like that. You know what I mean? So, hey, I I I'm with it, man. I'm with it. Uh, now I was saying like, hey, where, where where would it be? I'm like, yo, LA seems like it's the most dense, you know. Now Vegas, but isn't Ryan Vegas from LA? Most, Vegas gives them the most money though. Yeah, but if I'm tank, I don't want Ryan to have a hometown fight. Yeah, exactly. Especially when I, I I'm the one that has the bigger status. You yeah. Know? So, so that would be my thing. Um. Yeah, I thought uh, Tank Davis's birthday was more like December fifth or something like that. But he said like, or nah, nah, he's nah, he's born. He was in November. He's a November guy. So, but if he wants to have that fight in December and they do that Showtime pay per view, hey, I'm with it. You know, so there you go. You got news there from YSM Sports Media. You know, I mean. It finally came out on my end, Terrence Crawford, Earl Smith. I was waiting for, you know, for my sources to confirm uh, what it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, that's interesting because earlier today I talked with our boy. <laughs> And he said for the folks that he was talking with in Los Angeles, he didn't think it was gonna happen. Oh, oh man, he, he he's dead wrong. That joint, that joint's good to go. Woo! It's good to go. Oh yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be good to go. He's talking about. He was talking about. He was talking about. He was talking about potentially Thurman. I'm like, hey, no, come on, man. Well, no, nah, I think good. it's good to go. Yeah, so like, hey, we go get that announcement in a couple weeks, man. So you know, chill out. <laughs> you know, so see, he doesn't right. want it to happen because then his narrative is destroyed. Everything, like everything, everything comes crumbling down. He he's trying to fight it to the very end. You know, at one point he he, he attempted to admit it. And then he just backtracked, <laughs> backtracked it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. You know, that, that's that's horrible, man. That's horrible. But yeah, man. Uh so that'd be the two um bookend uh fights, man, um, for pay-per-view November and December. Uh I think, you know, we got the thing with Fox, of course, he had what happened yesterday, uh, with um Ruiz Ortiz, and then next month is uh, Wilder versus Hellenius, and then you know, Showtime will get those two fights, and 
Oh, that, that's huge. That's huge for Showtime, man. Huge. Yeah, I don't know why people. I don't know why dudes are like, yeah, it's gonna be announced this Saturday. He's like, fellas, this is a Fox pay per view. They're not gonna announce that they're a competitor. It's not yeah. happening. I don't care that it's that's a PBC. A show. It's not going to do that. And that's a whole separate network, man. Not, you know, I don't think that they realize that that particular, you know, important part. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm sorry, man. She was, I, I, I really, even with Marshall, you know, saying that, oh, she's, you know, kind of like been stopping a lot of the fighters that she's been facing. That's a whole different level of competition that, you know, she's been up there against. Yeah, she was, she'll talk about the thing with uh, Hermans or whatnot, or, you know, Rand or whatnot, but, the, you know, you're facing at two different points of their careers in comparison to when Clarissa Shields faced them. And so, you know, going up against fighters that are like 11, 11 and 55 or 3 and 25 or 8 and 12, you know, early in your career isn't really going to prepare you for someone with the, you know, experience level of Clarissa Shields that has, you know, faced fighters that, <laughs> like, of course, careers, like the most losses that her opponent has had is eight. And that's by a wide margin. Like, outside of that, it's like three losses. So, you know, for me, I, I just don't feel like Savannah Marshall, uh, you know, is going to be able to defeat Clarissa Shields. I think Clarissa Shields is going to use her uh, speed, not just with her hands, but with her feet to kind of like overwhelm Savannah Marshall in that sense. I think the more closer bout is going to be the co-feature with Alicia Baumgartner and uh, and Michaela Mayer, you know, because of uh, Mayer's uh, overall skill set and her having that amateur background too. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I know Terrell knows who I'm thinking in that particular bout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny because, like, uh, how often do you, like I said, Last time we tried to, when we watched these fights, we watched from uh, just from uh, uh, just a reporter standpoint, right? But it's mm -hmm. like at this point now, I'm not gonna lie, I want my black fighters to stand up and knock their ass out. <laughs> <laughs> How I feel about it. I mean, with, with Clarissa, Clarissa Shields, I, I give her so much credit for going on the road to take this fight. And despite all the, all the rhetoric that they're trying to stir up and stuff like that with her, about uh, oh you you lost her to amateurs, that was amateurs. Once again, she's a totally different fighter now. And not only mm -hmm. that, that, like you just like you like you uh, very outlined. Look at look at look at the, the class of opponents. It's night and day. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's gonna be like Marsh is gonna be like walking around in mud, when when Chris is gonna be float, floating around like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. And and I mean. We know Crystal Shields doesn't have power like that, but if she can get a knockout and just embarrass this girl in her own backyard, uh, that would just be just icing on the cake. And along with uh, the Baumgartner Mayor fight, it's just funny. Once again, we, when we see a network choose to get behind a certain fighter, and a lot of times because of their color, of course you get you can get pushed to the top. You get that exposure, whereas the other other person doesn't get that that same opportunity, and they can fight too. They can, she, uh, uh, Baumgartner can fight, but she doesn't have that exposure. So once again, I, I, I kind of, I generally like uh, Mayor. I generally do, but at the same time, it's like I'm definitely pushing for my people. That, that's how, that's how it's, it's just straight up. Uh, let me uh, quote the words from a pretty famous person. Uh, that is uh, what some people call an activist. And when I say, good job, my brother, we rocking with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the thing with, um, you know, Alicia is, 
like you said, she could fight. And that's the thing. It's one thing to, you know, have your boxing skills and everything like that. But it's a whole nother thing when you can fight and you can hit and hit hard. And, that, and, and you know, I, even with the, you know, the background and the, the, the type of opponents that uh, Michaela Mayer has, you know, faced up to this particular point, it, I don't know if they can fight. You know, I don't think they can really crack, you know, do something that could really like buzz you like Baumgartner, you know, could. And so, you know, with this one, it's like, hey, unless if you really could like, try to outbox your opponent and try to move around the ring very well, uh, I don't know. You know, you got someone in, 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 in Baumgartner that, you know, of course, is uh, training over there in the Detroit area. Um, you know, has the uh, background, you know, has Tony Harrison as uh, one of her trainers or whatnot. Like, she, of course, she's going to have a, a, a boxing background of sports, too. I mean, Tony Harrison is one of the better pure boxers in the sport, especially in that 154-pound division that he, you know, he's in. So I, I'm like, I don't see, like, where, you know, a good number of people look like they're kind of like picking Michaela Mayer. So, I don't know, man. If we, you know, if we had our guy, you know, world ranked in, in here, you know, we talk about, you know, how the books would look. I'd say, man, I, I, I'd go for the, you know, the clear decision win by Clarissa Seals and the knockout win by Alicia Baumgartner. See, you know, how much that would return uh, there in, in the books if you're able to put something down on that. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to those two fights. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like happy that uh, they're going to, you know, have those particular fights uh, carried by top ranking uh, ESPN or ESPN Plus or whatnot. Uh, it will be on Sky Sports, uh, you know, over in the UK. Uh, but well, like I said, I mean, you know, I got to back, uh, uh, you know, a girl. Of course, one of the, uh, you know, uh, favorite. Uh, guests uh, through the Python source, uh, you know, Mr. Dimitri Salida. Uh, so, you know, I'm definitely uh, backing it, uh, you know, for Russia Seals to get this win. And, and she kind of like said, like, hey, she really, she really is not, uh, you know, that phased uh, from, you know, what happened in the Olympics. And, you know, she kind of like said, you know, at the same time, even with that loss in the amateurs, that still didn't really mean much. She won two gold medals. You know, Savannah Marshall didn't win anything in the amateurs when it came to, you know, world championships or whatnot. She didn't win those gold medals in the Olympics. So, you know, I kind of like feel like um, Cortez is really focused on showing how much better she is in comparison to Savannah Marshall and showing like she has been a multi-division world champion, a multi-division undisputed champion, and that she's going to be you know, once again, the undisputed champion uh, in the middleweight division. So definitely looking forward to that uh, there. So uh, that's pretty much uh, mostly what I have uh, here. Um, you know, one later on this week, uh, hopefully I'll, you know, uh, have uh, posted uh, through the YouTube channel uh, my updated pound-for-pound uh, pound rankings. I really hadn't kind of like, uh, you know, taken the time to uh, post those pound-for-pound pound rankings. So I'm going to do that. Uh, here later this week on the YouTube channel. So y'all look forward to that. Um, One, and, yo. Sub substance or hype? Fury Joshua. 
hide. We're talking about the Gypsy King. The Gypsy King, the same Gypsy King that said he was going to retire and give up the WBC and Ring Magazine belt, right? So he gives up the Ring Magazine belt. Now, Alexander Usyk is the Ring Magazine heavyweight champion. And so he's like, oh, now that Usyk is the, 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 the winner, he was the winner of the rematch, of course, the, the bout, the potential bout between Fury and Joshua doesn't really have the amount of uh, money or backing that, you know, people thought it would have had if Anthony Joshua would have won that and became, you know, three-time unified champion. So a fight between Fury and Joshua for the undisputed championship would have been, of course, much bigger than Fury versus Usyk for the undisputed championship. And he feels like even a fight between him and Anthony Joshua right now would kind of garner more interest than him fighting Alexander Usyk for the uh, Undisputed Championship. And Usyk has made it public that he's not fighting again this year, which I don't blame him. I'm like, you, you, you pretty much just fought like, you know, a few weeks ago. Why are you going to, you know, get back in the ring uh, to, you know, try to fight again so soon? So I, I think it's Fury just, you know, playing games yet again um, in that I, I, I still feel like he, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be against Alexander Usyk um, in the top rank uh, telecast that they had, uh, you know, uh, um, what was it last week? They were talking about, you know, the potential of when Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk would fight each other. Uh, that it could be surrounding around, you know, Super Bowl uh, weekend or, you know, sometime around, you know, like I said, February or March. So I'm like, why not just wait it out, just see what happens uh, over the next few months, you know, have uh, Alexander Usyk fully recover and then just go for under undisputed title about uh, in March. If you can have it in Saudi Arabia, just have it in Saudi Arabia. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's not like, you know, they won't invest money into it. So if they got the money to blow, why not take it? So I'd say, hey, have that undisputed fight in March and worry about Anthony jo a fight with Anthony Joshua later on down the line. Well, at least Joshua did respond to Fury. He said, basically, I don't negotiate in the media. Uh, basically, if you want to uh, talk about a contract or a fight, hit up my management, stuff like that. So at this point, if there is substance, then we'll we will be seeing in the upcoming weeks, especially with like you stated that with uh, Usyk saying he's not going to fight for the rest of the year. So we'll mm -hmm. see. Fury better stop bullying Joshua. That's that was all. That, that was it. it was <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's to me, it's just Fury being Fury. That that's kind of like what I see there. It's just Fury being Fury. So. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, that kind of like, uh, well, can I say this? Can I say this? Cause yeah, you see, I'm pretty convinced Fury would knock Anthony Joshua out. Like maybe even worse in a sense than he did Deontay Wilder. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that either. I, mean, I think, I okay. Maybe not worse in terms of Deontay Wilder falling and getting like, you know, like falling sort of like how he fell. But <clears throat> I can see Anthony Joshua 
uh, uh, pause when I say this, but like getting knocked down and being on his knees and like, you know, like climbing, like walking across the ring, crawling across the ring on, on all fours, trying to like climb up on the rope. I can see it being that type of knockout. Like it'll be visually. I mean, it was a bad knockout that he did to Wilder, but um, I'm just saying to be it'd be up there visually in terms of how the knockout would look with Anthony Joshua. Because Anthony Joshua gonna be winded when he get knocked out. Who, who's the better matchup for Fury, Wilder or Joshua? Who's the better matchup? I mean, Wilder's the better matchup in terms of Fury winning, but I'm saying Anthony, the, the things that Anthony Joshua don't do well could also help Fury with with Joshua. Like it, it can bode well for him. I, I just see him him hurting Anthony Joshua. And then he gonna like just maul his ass, lean on him. I, I don't nah, that that particular strategy. I don't think that would that would be a good look for for Fury to do. He he would. I think he would use his reach and, and his speed more against Anthony Joshua instead of fighting on the inside. When you, for me, if you fight on the inside or fight up close. You're giving Joshua the opportunity to land bigger shots on, on you. And I don't think that he would want to do that against Anthony Joshua, given uh, Joshua's power behind his hooks and uppercuts. I'd, I'd rather have him, you know, move around the ring, do the face, throw those jabs, whether it's in the orthodox or southpaw stance, and then just try to, you know, methodically break down Anthony Joshua uh, until he does get tired, then step it up. Uh, but as far as like trying to get in there and tie up, try to tie up or mold Joshua, I don't think he's he would be able to do that. He, like Joshua is going to be too too big for that. So I agree. He he does it at a certain point. I, I I was saying what you were saying, which is he does it. He does the mauling once Joshua gets tired, and he sort of you know how Usyk kind of could have cranked it up, but he he didn't go to the next next level like. He did, but he didn't like round 11 and 12 and stuff. He did. But what I'm saying, imagine Tyson Fury doing that in round 10, 11 and 12. You think Anthony Joshua going to get out of that fight? If Fury is is cruising and he cranked that shit up to the next gear and Anthony Joshua still on this gear and his gas is is ciphering out the back. You think Anthony Joshua going to get out of that match with tall seven foot Fury? Leaning on him, doing everything that makes a man tired, even more tired. It'll be it a late. It'll on, be a late depends, stoppage. It depends on. It depends on when Joshua starts to tire over the course of that fight. If it's like you know around the sixth or seventh round, then Fury will try to implement you know you know leaning on him and try to you know ex extract more oxygen out of Joshua. Then try to finish him in rounds you know nine and ten or eleven. But if it's a little bit later, then I think that he would try to increase his offensive output against Anthony Joshua and try to overwhelm him that way instead of like trying to like you know ball him, grab him, grab and hold, you know, try to do uppercuts in, in, in that way and you know try to do body shots and that type of stuff. I, I think that it would happen, it depends on when he kind of like sees the uh, activity of Anthony Joshua slowed down over the course of that fight, you know, you know, if it potentially happens. But I agree with you. I agree. You know, so I, I just think that Fury is just somebody that has 
the number of intangibles that makes him, you know, have an advantage against every every fighter that's currently there in the heavyweight division right now. And uh, I really don't see uh, a fighter out there uh, that uh, could potentially beat him. Like, not, not Joshua, not Usyk, not Joe Joyce, or, or anybody that could potentially come up. So for me, I think it's for Fury, if he if he fights Usyk and Joshua and beats them both, that's it for him. That's it. There, there's really nothing else that you know. He yeah, he should definitely is. retire. Yeah, he should definitely retire. Like he's he's beating all the top guys of, of his era. So it's like, what's yeah, the point? you know. The one thing that I will say, when they actually do make these documentaries about these guys, they're gonna treat Fury like he a a god in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They gonna they gonna kind of immortalize him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to an extent, he he did it for himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, but but it came off of Wilder's back, of course. But um, I mean, he's the best guy, as you said. I can't argue with what you're saying. He's the best guy of all the crop of heavyweights, and it ain't no guys that that's currently up there that's in his you know purview that that'll beat him. Yeah. I mean, and, what can you do? About it is is that he will have the he would have the opportunity to do what a lot of those fighters in the previous few years or a few decades, a couple of decades, like going back to the nineties, weren't necessarily able to do, I would say in a sense is fight all of the top guys pretty much at or around the time that they were at their prime. So only exception is maybe Vladimir Klitschko because he was like in the back end of his career or whatnot, but, you know, fighting Deontay Wilder when he's undefeated, uh, you know, he would, potentially fight Alexander Usyk when he's undefeated. He fight Anthony Joshua when, you know, he's, you know, still there active as a, you know, potential top heavyweight contender and being a former two-time unified heavyweight champion. Like, you really don't see stuff like that happening uh, in the heavyweight division, you know, ever since, you know, the days of Bo Holyfield, uh, Tyson, uh, Lewis, uh, you know, Foreman, Moore, like, you really don't see that, and and, and, and he'll have Klitschko on his record, and, and and you know the main difference is even in the nineties, you really didn't see like all of those guys fight each other. You didn't see Lewis fight Bo or more or Foreman. You didn't see you know Mike Tyson fight Riddick Bo. You know, so you had some of those instances where you could have had big matches or big fights happening in the nineties, but it just didn't you know materialize. Here you could have. Tyson Fury potentially fighting all of those guys and beating all of them. So that could add a little bit more to his overall legacy as a uh, heavyweight fighter there. So you do have that. Um, so I guess, you know, with that being said, that kind of like covers covers it all here in the September 5th episode, Labor Day episode of the Boston Source Radio Show. Thank you, everyone, uh, for tuning in uh, here live. Of course, it's going to be available uh, through Anchor.fm or iHeartRadio or, you know, uh, Amazon Music or, uh, you know, Spotify or whatever you use to, uh, to listen to podcasts, it'll be available. Uh, but thanks to Terrell for checking in. Thanks to the Boxing Academic for checking in. Thanks to NBO for checking in. Thanks for Clever for checking in. Thanks for Gusto for checking in. Thanks for YSN for check, checking in and all those that were uh, there in the uh, live conversation. Uh, and like I said, at the end of every show, folks, the point of boxing is hit and I can hit, not to stand the trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Later.